Hi, welcome to the Future Insights Network podcast. Uh, our guest this week is Andreas Wieland, who is Associate Professor of Supply Chain Risk Management at Copenhagen Business School. Welcome. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Maria, for inviting me. It's our pleasure. pleasure. It's our pleasure. So um, we're going to talk about some of your um, key topics and interests. But before we get into some of those in detail, can you just tell us a bit about your career story and journey so far? Yes, sure. So I um, did my master's in information systems. So I actually have a bit of an IT background, but IT management background. And uh, I have a major also in economics. So uh, that also where, where supply chain management came into, uh, into play. So somewhere between these two extremes. And um, yeah, then I did my uh, PhD at the Technical University uh, in Berlin. Uh, which was about supply chain risk management already, security issues there. Um, yeah, that brought me in the area and I, uh, for some reasons, uh, remained there. So I really like it and think it's a fascinating um, part of uh, the SCM area. Yeah. And uh, yeah, in 2014, I moved to Copenhagen. Uh, I'm an associate professor here now and supply chain risk management is also the area where I'm working in. Yeah. Uh, so you, you've mentioned uh, risk management, um, and I think we're going to talk a bit about resilience and supply yes. chains as well. You know, one of the one of the things that we're all aware of, anybody working in this space, is that the world is potentially a more changing, unstable, uncertain, volatile. Um, yeah. All, all of the above. All of the above. There are a lot of factors at play. So before we get into some of those direct impacts can you tell us a bit about what you understand by the idea of resilience in supply chains so i think that's relevant to then how we talk about how you build it into yeah. strategy yeah um so i think in the uh, supply chain literature what you see a lot is that people define supply chain resilience as somehow the ability to bounce back so you're disturbed and then you're going back but i see it also a bit about uh moving back uh, if it's necessary, but also moving forward because uh, we're not, we don't look at a static system. A, uh, supply chain is not a static system that later we might talk about this a bit. Um, a supply chain is uh, constantly changing and also um, problems around us uh, are changing. The environment is changing. And uh, I, I see it more as the, yeah, um, a way to cope with change, but also to drive change. So um, internally in the supply chain, there's a lot of change that you can, where you have a certain control on it, but also outside, so to adapt to this, this is where uh, I believe uh, supply chain resilience should look at. Okay. Do, do, you think it's, do you think it's more about adaptability than anything in terms of supply chain resilience is adaptability? It's, uh, it's a very important issue in uh, resilience and uh, outside of supply chain management, for instance, in ecology or in psychology and other um, disciplines, they also talk about resilience and there's, their adaptability uh, plays much, uh, a much bigger role than in supply chain management so far. And I think it makes sense also to uh, focus on this. Yeah, so it's perhaps about being prepared for what's coming, even if you don't know directly the factors that are gonna impact you having um whether it's a supply chain strategy or a personal coping mechanism in sort of psychology so it's just be ready for whatever this unstable yeah. world throws at you i guess is is part of that exactly. so when we talk about, yeah when we talk about supply chains um and you know globalization we're we're dealing with and talking to global brands with complex supply chains around the world what are those big kind of factors that impact across 
supply chains where resilience is necessary in order to cope? Yes. So, of course, within your own supply chain, there's a lot of uh, little things that are going on that are constantly going on, but sometimes also bigger things. So that can go, uh, I mean, there's all these uh, examples of uh, fires breaking out yeah. uh, at, a, at the premise of a, a key supplier or earthquakes like some years ago in Japan. But I think it's also about the small things that are going on. So that's why adaptability is so uh, relevant. The supply chain, uh, has traditionally, I think, always seen as a network. So maybe, I mean, it's it's seen as a chain traditionally, but then in the supply chain literature, we're talking about networks. And I think that's maybe not the right uh, view on it. Uh, we should uh, somehow, so maybe you could say, uh, we, we look at supply chains like, uh, or we, we assume that it's like um, the bird's eye perspective. A bird looking at a network from uh, above has the total control or the total view on the network. And I think it's more like, a, I call it like a, a frog sitting in the fox. So you're looking around, you're seeing a bit, uh, you see your neighbors, the direct suppliers. But how can you control such a system where you don't even know who the second tier and the third tier is? Um, Many companies produce parts and they don't know really uh, where these parts end in the end. Often you knew, you knew this, but sometimes you don't uh, because it also has multiple purposes and is part of uh, several products in the end. And resilience talks about, uh, as I understand it, um, adapting to these changing environments and these different uh, supply chains you are part of and of course, companies need, constantly need to react to what the consumers want. And uh, therefore, I think this is so important to understand that, that we are actually not in the position of this bird. And I th that, that question of scale you mentioned is quite interesting because I think it's, it's easy to think about these global facts in terms of the things that attract headlines. So, well, know, the easy things to pick on. Volcanoes in Iceland or wildfires in the States. Or earthquakes in Japan. Yeah, or... Trump being elected or whatever we think of these big geopolitical factors but it sounds like you're talking about it's a mistake to just focus on that level you need to be much more sort of micro in your um, approach because they're the more likely factors that are going to impact you uh, more frequently. I would say uh, this is important it's very important to look at uh, your you, you called it scale or uh, yeah, like what the frog sees, uh, to, to use my own picture. Uh, but I think um, it's also important that we need to see the other scales that are there. Uh, for instance, um, traditionally, I mean, where, where does SCM come from? It comes from, the, uh, from acknowledging, if you look at the bullwhip effect, that just managing your own system, which is your own organization traditionally, or your business function maybe, the, uh, your, your department, is not enough. You need a more holistic uh, view, looking at all the other departments as well, not just uh, logistics, but also procurement and finance. And then later, looking at your suppliers, looking at your buyers. So to understand uh, the bullet effect, uh, it was necessary to understand the bigger picture. Uh, before, it was just uncertainties going on. And now suddenly, by understanding the bigger picture, um, you, you suddenly can control it. So you say um, it's important to look at the, the, your small world, maybe, uh, where the frog is sitting. I think that's very important, but we also need to acknowledge there's smaller things that can disturb us. So like 
another department suddenly um, something is going on there and then the entire company is affected and then maybe even the entire supply chain is affected but also things and i think this has uh, mostly um, neglected in uh, in supply chain management also the even bigger picture like uh, planetary boundaries for instance uh, why are we not managing them so if we assume there's this uh, supply chain that we are controlling uh, there's this modernist dream to control the entire supply chain using blockchain technology. And I think that makes a lot of sense. But we are also forgetting a bit uh, that the supply chain is also embedded in a bigger system. So there's these different scales. And I think that makes a lot of sense to uh, look at them simultaneously. What, what do you think for the modern day supply chain head or supply chain director, I mean, it's a great picture to paint to be able to have control over other departments, but how realistic is it in today's supply chain to control those other factors? Yeah, it's of course uh, increasingly realistic, but it's, we're still far from uh, being able to do this. So of yeah. course, new technologies uh, allow us to do a lot of things, but this is also a very theoretical uh, perspective. I think more practical is of course also to understand do, do I really trust um, that my supplier treats the data well that I give them uh, and vice versa? Um, do I like them even? Uh, do I know them for uh, quite some years? Um, of course, uh, there needs to be this collaboration, but I think it's still, we still have uh, de facto companies. So there's uh, legal entities, which is a company uh, that are controlled and not the supply chain. It's, supply chain is a very fuzzy thing, right? It's um, um, it's something nobody really knows what it is uh, and still it needs to be managed, right? Yeah, absolutely. So when you're talking about um, integrating it with or working with other functions, do you see that happening at the moment to, the, to enough extent or is supply chain and siloed. logistics still too siloed and still just carrying out its activities without be part of that end-to-end -end value chain across the business? So first of all, I think um, to have this end-to-end -end view, you first need to, um, to have this interfunctional view within your own company. So you need to do your own homework before you can uh, think bigger. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I think this is not happening at all. So uh, of course we have process orientation in many companies, but uh, still there's these, um, little silo uh, princes or uh, um, kings or uh, queens or whatever. Um, um, yeah. I, I, like, I like that idea of silo princes or silo, <laughs> but you, you're not wrong. I mean, it is, it is almost egocentric to some degree. You know, people do like to take care of their- Ruling their own kingdom. Ruling yeah. their own kingdom, ruling their, their square meter. And, and, and as long as I'm doing my bit right, that's enough. Uh, the end-to-end -end visibility factor is increasingly important, isn't it? Because, uh, as you say, maybe you're taking care of your little kingdom, but if something breaks over there, it's very hard to uh, to be resilient to yeah. those kinds of damages, you know? Yeah, 100%. Or problems. Yeah, I mean, and you obviously um, are researching um, what's going on around the world. What's, what might be an example where uh, an organization hasn't, created this proactive uh, supply chain strategy and therefore is constantly reacting rather than anticipating or able to head off problems as they happen. What are the common areas and problems that you see impacting businesses? 
Yeah, I think a lot of things are relatively stable. Um, we have a lot of uh, business processes that are even codified and still companies are um, firefighting all the time. Maybe uh, because either they, they're not really looking at their own processes properly or uh, maybe they're ill-defined as well. So I think firefighting makes a lot of sense in certain situations where there's uh, even crisis coming up or uh, a fire breaks out. Uh, I mean, that's why it's called firefighting, right? Reactive strategies, um, suddenly a supplier doesn't uh, deliver enough uh, or the quality doesn't work. So um, the, the processes might come to a halt. Then it's very, uh, to a halt, then it's very important, of course, to uh, be reactive. But I think focusing on more proactive strategies, so thinking uh, in a long-term perspective, um, looking forward, what is going on, what the future might also um, want from us. Uh, I think this is very important. And, um, it's surprisingly maybe um, uh, overlooked. Uh, so yeah. I think this focus on reactivity is a, a very important aspect, um, especially when it comes to what customers want. Con uh, consumers uh, change um, their wishes all the time, and that that has even increased over the last couple of years. That we can see this in uh, in many studies. But uh, that's not enough to be just reactive. We need to to stand on two legs, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The proactive and the reactive one. Do, do you know, do you think, or how much of supply chain resilience or risk is a mindset thing? You know, in other words, uh, cultural within an organization as opposed to business processes. I think this is, uh, this is the key. Uh, not only risk management, uh, look at uh, other areas, innovation, uh, even introducing a new software system. So um, if this is not, um, understood by the entire company, uh, if there's just this small department, uh, they're trying their own thing and it has no top yeah. management support, then uh, you will definitely fail. And especially when it comes to supply chain uh, risk related issues, um, then, then risk is just a cost factor. Why should I have uh, risk? We, we didn't have a fire. Why should I invest in, uh, in, in a team that uh, can manage this? This is just expensive. Um, but uh, really to understand this and to, to see in the long term, we really will benefit, we will survive even maybe uh, by investing in this. I think this is really key. Um, so the culture, it's top down. So the sea level is certainly uh, involved, but it's also, also needs to uh, go all the way down to, uh, to all managers in the company that they have this risk uh, understanding, risk culture as well. So that's the internal view, at least. Uh, so that's very important. Well, but I, I would say it also extends to your supplier network yeah. to some degree. You know, if, if yes. you as the prime supplier are or the prime organization are very risk conscious and very much looking at the, from a cultural perspective, all elements mm -hmm. of your supply chain, then you insist, wouldn't you, that the people that you're working with from a supplier basis yeah. that follows some sort of processes like that. Yeah, I mean, the expression is the chain is as, only as strong as its weakest link. And it's, it's incredibly apt here, isn't it? If, you're, if you don't have visibility across your supply chain. Well, you mentioned something earlier, Andres, about how you, know, you can't have the bird's eye view because sometimes you don't know what two layers deep or three layers deep, what someone else's uh, practices, internal practices look like. Do you think that there should be more of a focus or more of an interest from the people heading up supply chain in the practices, or at least from a risk perspective, in other areas within deeper of the supply chain? So I think there's two things. At the same time, it's more and more important to, uh, to get control 
over the entire system. Uh, I think this is to, to try to be the bird, right? So a new technology is even um, getting us closer to this, I call it modernist view of uh, total control. So like seeing the supply chain like a machine. Uh, I can, if something is broken, then I can repair it. But I think at the same time, and I think this is also part of this risk culture, not in the own company only, but also uh, maybe uh, what suppliers or, or even on the retail side uh, needs to be done, uh, is to acknowledge that total control is just impossible. And I think this is sometimes overlooked uh, and forces companies then to focus on, on, on the company instead of the supply chain again, um, by not really um, uh, looking at the bigger picture. And I think both is important. And, you know, increasingly you um, hear a lot of um, solutions around visibility, traceability, um, whether that's, you know, existing technology like RFID through to emerging technologies like blockchain, blockchain yeah. um, which are making some, you know, potentially exciting claims around uh, visibility, end-to-end -end traceability. Can you see technology playing a role and and at the moment do you think it's it's likely to have a, a, an immediate impact or is it some way off and is it is its impact overstated understated what is what's your sense of where technology might play a part in this i mean we need to see where we are in the hype cycle uh for the different technologies and um i think the use cases um are now emerging when it comes to blockchains what you've mentioned so i've I've seen some uh, some nice cases where uh, companies or entire supply chains are experimenting with this. Um, but uh, I think what is really, really uh, interesting is uh, where business process management, especially in a, a supply chain context, might develop in the future. So automation of, um, of uh, business processes, getting rid of all the paperwork, uh, which also has a lot of social uh, implications, I think. So people working in the supply chain uh, might soon be replaced. I, th I think this is a, even me as a, a, a professor here, I'm, uh, I'm also thinking about, so will there be a hologram in the future instead of me? So but I think this is of course much more relevant for um, yeah, uh, repetitious uh, tasks that, are, uh, that can be replaced by, uh, like think about ordering processes or so yeah. simple task in the beginning. And um, I think the combination of process management, artificial intelligence here, that uh, it's a very exciting uh, area that is currently uh, developing here. So here I see a lot of potential. I'm not sure about use cases. So there's uh, certainly a lot of uh, uh, robotic process automation. There's certainly a lot of uh, things going on. But I, if we just look five or uh, even 10 years ahead, I think uh, um, we're almost in a, uh, um, in a time where revolution and technologies, uh, um, yeah, where supply chains are really revolutionized uh, by this. And I think that's very exciting, but this, is, this also means for supply chain managers that they really should look at uh, what is going on because the way we're doing supply chain management uh, right now will certainly not be uh, the way we're doing it in 10 years. Yeah, but I was just gonna say that, that's a big claim and it's, 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 you're absolutely right. You're one of many people that are saying that the face of supply chain is changing quite dramatically. What steps can a supply chain person take today to manage their businesses themselves into the future? Yeah, because you don't, you don't, you, you know, something's coming, but you don't know when 
you know, when, when will these technologies become mainstream? Is it six months, two years, five years, 10 years? And is the pace of change. Yeah, you've got to manage the present whilst preparing for the future. If you don't even know when the future is coming, you see what I mean? So no, no, no pressure, but what's the answer? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, no pressure. No so, pressure. Um, if we talk about adaptability, or we talked about it before, I think this, uh, this is the mindset that we need. So uh, we're in the 21st century, and uh, I fear not everyone has uh, fully uh, understood this. So what is important in the 21st century, it's, of course, the technologies that we are looking at. I mentioned a few of them. It's uh, certainly the planetary boundaries. We're talking about circular supply chains instead of linear supply chains. We're talking about uh, really, I mean, uh, what is it? I uh, think it's 800 gigatons CO2 that we still have to emit, uh, which means 20 years are left. So we uh, urgently need to uh, get rid of um, these 20, 20th century type of uh, yeah. business models that are carbon oriented. Um, we really need to, um, uh, reinvent uh, the entire economies. And I think uh, those people who have understood this, and there's increasingly many um, who have understood this, they will be successful also in 10, 20 years. I think those who stick to the uh, solutions of the 20th century, they will just disappear. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm also optimistic about this because it's good that they disappear yeah. because uh, we need to... Um, take these new technological opportunities and also these really big uh, challenges that are much bigger than uh, just uh, supply chain, everyday supply chain uh, problems that we are talking about. Um, I think here um, um, is the area where uh, supply chain managers really need to also understand the science about it, uh, both in the uh, area of, for instance, sustainability, um, social issues, but on the other hand, also uh, really need to be up to date with uh, the technological issues that are or solutions that are presented here. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the social aspect of it because you never know when an issue to do with environmental sustainability or the circular economy is suddenly going to ignite in public consciousness. You look at, you know, plastics have suddenly dominated the news agenda this year, yet we've known that plastics and recycling have been an issue yeah, but for all a of long sudden, time. All and of a sudden overnight, plastic straws are, yeah, you know, yes. the world's enemy. Yeah, and that wasn't something we didn't know before, but uh, just whether it's through so, media so I, or social media. So or, I guess the yeah. question is, I mean, because I wrote something down earlier when you were talking, how, let's compare a supply chain today, maybe even a supply chain tomorrow versus a supply chain 20, 30 years ago. How important is social media and the consumer behavior or the impact of the consumer in today's supply chain? It's not just in the supply chain. I think uh, if we look at how politics works today, how a business works today, um, and especially then in the supply chain. So uh, suddenly um, child work happening uh, three tiers upstream um, plays a role for uh, the profit of their own company. Yeah. Although unfortunately there, there's, there's a recent study showing um, the stock market forgets uh, quite quickly uh, what is uh, going on here, uh, which is which is sad, of course. Um, but um, I think, uh, in general, the perception of consumers uh, is going faster and faster, and um, people also forget quite rapidly. And I think that's maybe the opposite uh, of what is needed. 
because uh, the problems are bigger and bigger and more global. And currently we are um, seeing, I mean, you're in the UK, uh, Brexit, um, like going from global solutions to very local solutions and assuming that um, we can get back the world that we had in uh, maybe 100 years ago. I think this is a, this is a dream and uh, it's, uh, it might I'd like to wake up from that dream. Can, I'd like to wake up from that dream. <laughs> it's not a good dream. Yeah, it's, um, but for many people it's, it is a dream and I think uh, it, it should also be acknowledged but it just doesn't help us to solve these big problems that are even far beyond the own supply chain. And uh, we talked about scales before. The scale of management 100 years ago or 50 years ago was the company. And then it has become the supply chain, which is a great thing. We, we've really, uh, we really went uh, beyond the own company, uh, but now we need to go even one step um, beyond that and uh, look at the even bigger picture the planetary boundaries that I was talking about. So when you ask me uh, where people should, what what should people how how should people understand these problems? What is the new plastic straw um, uh, in the future? It might also um, require people to read uh, maybe science, nature, uh, these scientific journals where they actually discuss these uh, big problems and uh, yeah. Um, yeah. not just business journeys because uh, here the focus is uh, business and we need to go one step um, beyond that. Well, I, I was going to say, we, I mean, if you look at geopolitically right now, there's uh, almost a bit of denial on a lot of these climate change uh, issues and uh, uh, the signs that you say that are pretty obvious to a lot of people are being ignored. And do you think that's because business has predominantly been managed by uh, a smaller group of people to some degree, you know, the, the hierarchy of people, whereas now with consumers having more of an opinion and having more of a say, do you think that that will shift over time so that this is going to be put front of mind, you know, that companies will need to be sourcing ethically, uh, having some sort of sustainable mm -hmm. structure in place into their businesses? I mean, how, how important is this? And how should a supply chain director today be looking at this as a uh, something on the list of priorities. I mean, there there was, if you mentioned climate uh, issues, uh, there was a debate maybe 50 years ago. Does uh, is climate change really man-made? I think that at least scientifically, the debate is uh, entirely over. So there is no debate anymore. There's uh, there's um, um, uh, agreement in the scientific community. But I mean, what is well documented is, of course, lobbyism uh, from uh, certain industries, uh, oil industries. I mean, this is really well documented. Also, how this creates uncertainty in the society and those who are maybe not so familiar with the um, uh, with the with the no scientific knowledge. I I think it's sometimes interesting also to see that uh, people look out of the window and think. Uh, yeah, the, the sun is not shining today, uh, so my gut feeling shows me there is no climate change. Uh, while uh, international uh, scientific teams with hundreds of uh, scientists and super complex uh, models um, calculate weeks uh, to, to get um, certain findings and you still think, because I'm looking out of the window, uh, my opinion is uh, more valuable what these scientists uh, find. Mm -hmm. uh, so. I think um, uh, to uh, to look at the big picture, we really need to also re-acknowledge uh, how um, yeah knowledge is actually created, and we are in a very very turbulent time uh, politically. I think um, 
but I am also optimistic that um, that this denial, look at um, theory of evolution. 100 years ago, there was uh, a lot of um, uh, backfire here, and today uh, nobody would ever um, think this doesn't uh, exist as a phenomenon of uh, explanation, right? And yeah. I think the same will happen here. But we're losing time. I mean, uh, in terms of climate change, uh, as I said before, we have like 20 years left uh, to uh, get carbon free. And uh, I can't see big developments in uh, certain regions. And uh, uh, we still have coal power. We still have uh, combustion engines. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the, the stakeholders, the supply chain leaders have to manage and pick up signals from and respond to that are so much wider now. I mean, in the past, you might say they responded to chief financial officers talking about cutting costs and operational efficiency, and those were their primary drivers for, for making change happen. But now you're looking at what do your consumers make of, whether it's your approach to sustainable uh, sourcing or ethical manufacturing practices or the, the last mile delivery and customer service that you offer as a supply chain provider as well. So they're having to kind of look in 360 degrees now to, to be effective and to keep their organization's yeah, but, but, position. Well. But, but you know, I think, I think it's a, like you say, Andres, it's a bit of a volatile, challenging time right now. You don't know when the next plastic straw scenario is going to land. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it, it, this is all good stuff because we're making good inroads with regards to uh, sustainability and, and mm. so forth. But you, so it's very difficult as a supply chain director to be able to manage a whole end to end supply yeah. chain without <clears throat> knowing when the next, you know, the yeah. next big PR bomb is going to drop. And which, you know, you might, you might be aware of multiple issues, but which one is going to ignite next and be the one that you're forced to take action about. It's, it's a challenge. Um, but it goes back to this idea of building a resilient supply chain that you and are at least aware yeah. of the risks. Yeah. You have strategies in place to respond or even mitigate uh, their impact in the first place. So I guess, yeah, it's about this proactive front foot approach to managing your strategy. Can, can I ask you, I mean, you, you, you obviously teach, uh, you teach this subject. So what are the students, you know, the, mm. you know, the supply chain leaders of tomorrow, what is their view of uh, the supply chain world that they're entering? So I think um, many of them are, um, because they're young, because they are uh, still open and um, listening to a lot of things that are going on. And I mean, this year's summer uh, here in Europe, but also look at the uh, yeah. wildfires now in the US. Um, um, I think the, the last person should have uh, understood now how uh, important, for instance, this uh, topic of climate change is. Um, I think they're very curious about this. They're very concerned. They understand how important that is, but they also see the opportunity because, as I said before, to be a leader in the 21st century in the uh, SCM area, but in business, I think in general, if you haven't if you haven't done your homework, haven't understood these two topics that I mentioned: planetary boundaries, sustainability, and on the other hand, the technologies, then you won't be successful. And I think these young leaders. Um, they are curious how to um, find solutions. And I think there's uh, solutions even on the horizon um, that uh, can, be, can be used there. I, um, yeah. I'm teaching yeah. some of them and uh, at least giving some indications f how we could transform the way supply chain management is done in this century. Yeah, I mean, actually, the fact that these issues exist is, is not a good thing, yet 
their existence and the ability of supply chain management to tackle with them and be the part of the organization that's dealing with them is actually a useful story to tell um, graduates and recruits into the industry because if you're looking for uh, a career with a sense of purpose or a mission behind it and this is this is one um, do you get a sense from the from the younger people that you're teaching that that being that change agent and helping to tackle some of these global issues is is an attractive part of this industry I mean there's a lot of uh, studies saying people of course I want to earn a lot of money and everyone wants this but I think for most people this bigger picture, the, this bigger narrative plays a much uh, bigger role. And people rather would say, uh, let's, um, let's earn a bit less, but uh, do something meaningful in different areas. I mean, uh, that could be uh, to have great products where, where customers are very happy in the end, uh, but that could also be um, um, this narrative uh, that I described before that is related to these big challenges, which are like uh, the Damocles sword uh, hanging over us. Um, we need to find business models that uh, provide solutions. And for instance, uh, moving from linear uh, to circular uh, supply chains, even moving from um, customer orientation, away from customer orientation to user orientation. And we've seen this even already in the car industry, uh, I mean, I live in Copenhagen. I, uh, I'm cycling to my office and uh, uh, most people here do. Um, but this is, of course, something uh, that you don't see in, uh, in uh, many other places uh, yet. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in many European cities or North American cities as well, you don't want to own anymore. You, uh, you lease. So we're getting away from uh, products to services. Mm -hmm. In the future, uh, I could even imagine, uh, not even from an uh, environmental point of view, but uh, that, for instance, smartphone um, companies won't sell a phone anymore, but the service to use a phone. And uh, it makes economically sense because then you own the uh, resources, then you own the material that is in the phone, and then you provide a new phone uh, to the customers in the future who constantly get the newest version, but you also design them in a different way so that the um, customers uh, will get the newest technology, but you as a, a producer in your supply chain also uh, keep track on uh, what is going on. And then we don't need recycling anymore. Then we just build products in a way uh, that are um, automatically circular. And I'm pretty sure big companies uh, already are planning this uh, and I've even heard some uh, some ideas in that direction. So it's another requirement for the conventional supply chain manager, supply chain leader mindset to broaden horizons again and think about new models of different uh, business models. Development. Yeah, different so business models in general. Fundamentally. I mean, fundamental, exactly as you're saying, because I mean, what used to be pretty standard stuff, I produce a product, I give it to you, then you buy a new one. Yeah which creates, uh, obviously it creates environmental issues. Uh, if we look at different ways of, you know, doing things, I mean, that's why disruptive companies like Uber and uh, Airbnb and stuff are changing mm. the way people are thinking about exactly. how interact with different things. Uh, do you think that that's going to have a big impact in supply chains, in companies coming in, disruptors coming in and changing the, the way we do things? I think we, uh, we will definitely see this. And um, in some areas, uh, you mentioned Uber, um, we've seen this already. Uh, we will also see this um, 
a radical uh, transformation in terms of business models also in uh, our area. Um, mean, so I'm pretty sure uh, in the 21st century, we will go away from linear uh, supply chains to circular. I don't know if we can call them chain then anymore because no. chain is per definition end-to-end uh, -end or linear, right? Um, and I'm pretty sure we are uh, increasingly going away from uh, consumers or customers to um, users because um, we only have one planet. So there is a, uh, I mean, it's, it's simple math, right? We, uh, we have an, uh, currently a growth um, e uh, economy. So that is building on uh, growth and exponential growth even. So um, um, economic growth is a good thing. But at the same time, we only have one planet. So there's this, this limitation, which is one, one planet, right? Uh, so and this, this is a contradiction, but I think we can, uh, to a certain extent, uh, resolve this by um, going away from these growth models towards yeah, retaining instead of uh, growing, or I don't know. And uh, that, sounds, uh, that sounds maybe a bit tree-hugging, I don't know, but uh, I'm uh, pretty sure that only those companies uh, who, who are aware of these constraints by nature um, will be able to uh, solve the problems and uh, create business models that uh, customers will soon accept, I'm yeah. pretty sure. I mean, we, we've, we've outlined a lot of challenges and changes that supply chain leaders need to make, and we've outlined these factors that are going to buffet their organizations mm. and potentially you know, push them in one direction or another. And it, and it's uh, it, we're being quite hard on them in a sense, but let, let let's kind of speak up for the supply chain leaders. So, who, which sectors, maybe or types of organisation, are, are doing a good job at the moment, and where you can see real progress being made in terms of whether it's building resilience or building in a more sustainable approach. Yeah, where where to should we look for it. good examples? Yeah. I mean, it might surprise you, but I I think companies like uh, like the big electronic companies. They are uh, leading technologically, I think there's no doubt, but I think they are also the ones that are um, most future oriented. So they, they, they have already realized and they also have the power of course to control an entire supply chain. They've uh, increasingly realized that the um, uh, yeah, consumer oriented business models will come to an end and uh, that for them it's very important to uh, own the resources instead of putting them in the uh, phone and selling it to the uh, consumers because that's uh, just what I described before, right? Um, I think there are certain industries um, that are um, improving a lot. Look, look at the textile industry, especially here in Europe. Um, the learning curve was after Rana Plaza uh, was yeah. uh, really high. Um, I'm not saying that everything is perfect though. So there's uh, still a lot of uh, room for improvement. And also here, the fast fashion business model uh, might not be um, future-proof as well. So we yeah. need to think, and also companies need to think, what comes after um, this business model, which was very successful the last uh, uh, 30 years or so. But uh, we also see that some of these companies are um, have recently struggled a bit. Um, so the question also here is how can um, this may uh, be made um, uh, future-proof and uh, even circular. And then we see, for instance, the food industry, uh, where I really wonder, uh, I don't know, um, in the UK, you had the uh, horse meat scandal yeah. some years ago. If you look at how long the supply chain was here, 
And actually everyone in the supply chain has just uh, made their uh, homework following maybe the supply chain textbooks saying, yeah, I'm just uh, managing um, what uh, is my core competency and outsource the rest. And this has increased the length of the supply chain, the complexity. So maybe the monster that we're currently um, trying to, um, to tame was created because of supply chain management. And now we need supply chain management uh, to tame it again. I think that's uh, quite an um, that's interesting issue. Yeah. That, that's a very good point. I mean, and so maybe that's why we have to look into the future for the leaders of tomorrow to come in with a different perspective, with a different viewpoint on how to tame this beast, the supply chain beast that we have. Yes. And that also requires, again, to uh, look beyond the own company, but also look beyond the own supply chain, because only then we can uh, understand what is actually going on. So I was going to say, to recap then, I would say, start to look within your organization, so outside of your own square meter, get away yeah. from the supply chain kings and princes, look outside of that, then start to look at the outside world yeah. uh, as well. Exactly. Right? And understanding that there is, um, that the supply chain itself is not controllable per se. Uh, we can try to make this better and technology helps, but uh, there is a limit and that's my frog in the fog. <laughs> Well, I think that's a useful model that people can take away from this. And um, I think it's a, uh, perhaps a good point to wrap things up because I think it'll resonate with people that yeah. the changing view, their viewpoint and the view of them from the rest of the organization is changing and that they have to be adapting and taking this more holistic approach because they have a, a much more holistic set of challenges, yeah. much more diverse set of stakeholders they're going to satisfy and manage internally and externally. So... Yeah, it's changing, but there are ways to do it by the sounds of it. And uh, I think that's a good point to, to maybe draw the And resilience is adaptability. Yeah. It goes in this direction, yes. Absolutely. So, Andreas, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a really interesting conversation. Yes, thank you. And I think we've outlined some issues that supply chain leaders and manufacturing leaders and business transformation leaders can, can think about for the future. So, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, thanks for inviting me. Thanks, thanks. Andreas. Bye. Bye.